Hi everyone, and welcome to the June 2020 edition of Aon's Retirement Market Update podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Marsh. This is my third month of working from home, and as the weather warms up, I'm really starting to miss the aircon in the office. I figured you probably wouldn't want traffic and lawnmower noise all over the podcast, so I've closed all the windows at the moment, but I'll definitely be letting some air in as soon as we're done. This month, I'll be talking to Ben Rowe and Chris Inman from Aon's DC team about the impact of recent market movements on members of DC schemes and how trustees and companies can help their members to deal with this. But before that, let's look at some of this month's pensions news. The pensions regulator has published this year's annual funding statement. Now, this is mainly aimed at DB schemes with valuation dates between the 22nd of September 2019 and the 21st of September 2020, although it will also be useful for other DB schemes, at least as an insight into TPR's current thinking. Schemes might find themselves in very different situations depending on exactly where their valuation date falls. So valuation dates at the end of December would generally give quite favourable results, but valuation dates at the end of March may well look a lot worse. Um, TPR have made it clear that they're not that keen on schemes changing their valuation dates, but they have talked a bit about post-valuation experience and said this is something they expect all schemes to think about when agreeing their recovery plans. TPR is also comfortable for trustees to delay decisions on their assumptions until we have a bit more clarity on the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, although they have reiterated that trustees should always consider a range of possible future outcomes when setting assumptions. Widening deficits and restricted affordability will make recovery plan discussions more difficult, and TPR recognises that trustees and employers will need to consider the full range of recovery plan flexibilities, and that includes contingent contributions that increase as the sponsor recovers, back-end loaded contributions, longer recovery periods, allowing for investment outperformance, allowing for post-valuation experience, and alternative financing options. That said, TPR does still seem to favour some of these options over others, so the reversion to back-end loading and long recovery plans probably hasn't completely disappeared. As you might expect, there are also lots of comments on employer covenants. TPR recognises that conclusions may need to wait until later in the valuation process, but they're keen for trustees to consider a range of different scenarios and think about what they'll do if the position deteriorates further. Of course, it's not all about COVID-19. Just in case we've all forgotten, there's also a reminder about Brexit, with the transition period still due to finish at the end of the year. TPR have again repeated their long-standing expectation for trustees to focus on integrated risk management, and they've also emphasised the importance of long-term planning. Now, you may remember that was one of the big themes in the first consultation on the new funding code, which is going to remain open until September, and TPR have now confirmed that the second consultation, which will be on the detail of the new code, has been pushed back to next year, and the new code itself won't come into force until late 2021 at the earliest. Sticking with TPR for a moment, another thing they've been talking about this month is transfer values. As part of their guidance on member communications during COVID-19, they said they want savers looking to transfer from DB to DC schemes to be warned that it's unlikely to be in their best interests over the long term. Together with the FCA and the Pensions Advisory Service, TPR have developed a standard letter that they want all DB schemes to send to members who request transfer quotes. The letter warns members about the risks of transferring during the pandemic and urges them to consider the decision carefully and seek advice. TPR have also added some comments on transfers to their COVID-19 guidance for DC schemes. Now here they've stressed that they consider transfers of DC benefits to be core financial transactions, and these should be prioritised during the pandemic. They've said it's very important to process these transfers within a reasonable time frame. 
The PLSA has set up a new industry group to help produce guidance aimed at supporting schemes with the new ESG and stewardship disclosure requirements. You may remember that the first requirements for DC schemes came into force last October, and there will be more for both DC and DB schemes that kick in later this year. This new group pulls together a range of scheme investors, professional trustees, investment consultants, asset managers, and legal advisors, and their work will also be supported by other industry organisations, government departments, and regulators. The first two things they're working on are a pack of documents to help trustees to compare engagement and voting behaviour across different asset managers, and guidance on implementation statements and responsible investment communications. These should both be ready in time for summer trustee meetings, so keep your eyes peeled. We'll finish with a quick PPF update. There had been some media speculation that schemes could be seeing a significant increase in levy bills later this year due to the coronavirus pandemic, and the PPF have now published a statement that aims to reassure levy payers about this. Their main point was that levies payable later this year are largely based on market conditions before the impact of COVID-19 became significant. So this has very little impact on the amount they're expecting to charge this year, at least. We may still see a more material impact next year, but this is something that the PPF are going to consider as part of the consultations that they already had planned for later on this year. And if you'd like more information on this or on any of this month's other news stories, I'll include contact details at the end. We've talked quite a lot in the past about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on DB schemes. So we thought it was time to focus on DC schemes for a while, and in particular, what all of this means for members of those schemes. Now, full disclosure, I'm one of those members myself, so I have a particular interest in this topic, but I mostly work on DB schemes. So I've roped in a couple of colleagues from the DC team to help me make sense of everything. Ben, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Can I just ask you to briefly introduce yourselves before we get started? Thanks, Ricky. My name's Chris Inman, and I head DC Investment Advisory at Aon. You'll probably pick up from the accent. Got a bit of international experience, so happy to cover any of that as we go through. So, hi, everybody. I'm Ben Rowe. I'm the head of DC here at Aon, and I'm going to take us through some of the actions that we've seen our clients take um, in response to the pandemic. Excellent. Thanks. Right. So, Chris, as an investment consultant, I guess this first one's probably for you. Can you just give us a quick rundown of what's happened in investment markets over the last couple of months? Can do. So the start of 2020 is certainly not one that I'm going to forget anytime soon. What we witnessed was a decade long bull market come to an abrupt halt as COVID-19 outbreak turned into a global pandemic. After reaching all time highs in February, global equities sold off sharply as infection numbers grew and governments worldwide ramped up virus containment measures. What resulted was the fastest bear market in history. So a bear market is defined as a 20% fall in value, and this took just 16 days. It was around 25 days for equity markets to fall to 30%. And to put this into context, the global financial crisis, which a few of us remember all too well, to fall 30% from its peak, took 166 days or about half a year. So this is telling us that the the shock at the start of 2020 was both severe and quick. It was one very hard to get in front of. What we've seen though is a rebound in risk assets towards the end of the first quarter, which has continued into May. But unfortunately, it hasn't been enough to stop global equities falling by over 8% and UK equities by over 20% in the past one year period. For DC savers closer to retirement, there was some protection to be found in traditional diversifiers like government bonds that are present in most default lifestyle strategies. 
but unfortunately these exposures are unlikely to have been enough to stop them from incurring losses over the recent period. And so what kind of responses have we seen from trustees and companies over the short term to this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Ricky. So we recently held an industry-wide uh, webinar to look at the impact of COVID-19 and potential actions for schemes. And so the responses from the 250 plus participants highlighted a significant gap between those that had robust oversight structures in place and those that were left scrambling for a bit of information as a result. So across the board, we've seen schemes and companies communicating reassuring messages to their members for the most part. And this is something that Ben might like to pick up on in a little bit more detail. But if I focus on the investment side, during our webinar, we asked the question, what actions um, schemes had taken? And the majority said that they hadn't changed. They hadn't changed the investment strategy. They hadn't changed the shape of their lifestyles, or they hadn't been more tactical in terms of that asset allocation. And that's what we expected. But if we dig down a little bit deeper into that, that could be because of two reasons. The first more reassuring one is that they've built diversified and objective-based portfolios and strategies with clear performance targets and triggers for action. So as a result of the market movements to start this year, yes, markets fell. Yes, there may have been some panic, but it was exactly the wrong time, as we've seen with markets bouncing back, for members to crystallize those losses. So where they had those clear targets and objectives in place, being reassured that the strategy remained fit for purpose for the long-term investment horizon for DC savers meant no action was taken. The flip of that coin is that some, as we said, were probably scrambling for that information, maybe hadn't been so clear in terms of what they were trying to achieve through their investment strategies. So the inaction may have been more as a result of inertia or lack of information. Thanks, Chris. So Ben, I guess looking more widely, what other things have we seen trustees and companies doing in a kind of non-investment area? Yeah, sure. So so most trustee boards are now over the initial spike of activity. And outside of the investment aspects Chris was talking around, the two key areas of focus have really been around the operational side and also member communications. So on the operational side, how is the administrator coping? Are they able to work effectively from home? And how has it impacted on member services? Most schemes have dusted off the business continuity plan. They put that into practice and, and they're really seeing if that works from a practical perspective. On the communication side, again, most schemes have taken some action. They've either consciously decided not to say anything to members or most commonly, they've added some reassuring messages and warnings to websites and member portals. And we've also seen some schemes that have been more proactive and written out to all of their members, updating them on the changes that, that we've seen. Yeah. And on that last point, it does feel like the messaging is potentially quite different for different groups of the membership. So, yes, that's right. And if we look at the different generations, it's really those who are furthest away from retirement that will have more or maybe all of the assets invested in growth assets that will have seen the largest falls in fund values. Here, it's all about the long-term investment horizon. So very much reassuring messages around long-term nature of pension savings. Also, if we think about the future, we probably expect higher long-term growth projections from this point than we did do last year. So if we look at projected fund values, the, the impacts are likely to be as significant. We're already working with some of our clients to highlight this as part of the annual benefit statement process. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got those who are close to retirement. They'll have been protected somewhat by lifestyle or target date switching. So where they moved into lower risk assets, 
But the impact here really depends on the plan design and how well this has worked out. We have seen a reduction in members wanting to crystallise the benefits and hence crystallise losses at the moment. And at this stage, it really gets very member specific. It depends on the significance of the DC benefits relative to their overall retirement savings. Good example would be for those who have DB savings, where things like a partial transfer may be a good option at the moment. It enables people to take some short-term funding. And for me, this whole area just highlights the need for members to be able to access good quality, cost-effective member support. Even those members who have a retirement plan may need to amend it in light of the changes that we've seen. Thanks, Ben. So that, that sort of deals with the people at the two extremes. But I guess we've also got this group in the middle, I've sort of heard them refer to as the squeeze middle, who aren't that close to retirement, but they might be close to the point where you'd normally expect them to start transitioning to that lower risk investment strategy. Chris, are there any particular actions that these members should be thinking about? The focus, is, as we've been saying, in terms of that long term investment horizon is key throughout this, as is the communication and the engagement point, giving those reassuring messages making sure members are focusing on the outcome and the objective as opposed to the short-term noise in markets. What we've been discussing with trustees in terms of investment changes or investment modifications that could potentially be put in place, there's been two main ones. So if we think, as you said, the lifestyle strategies that for these squeeze middle or these mid-career members where we might be transitioning from equity say or higher growth assets to more diversified uh, exposures, thinking about whether or not it still makes sense to potentially sell out of those growth assets or those equities in order to buy more diversified exposures just as markets are declining, so i.e. locking in those losses, selling low and buying high, or should we be thinking about the objective, what we're trying to achieve and whether or not it makes sense to maybe maintain that growth potential of those assets, as opposed to automatically moving out of growth assets, just because that member gets a little bit closer to retirement age. So the idea of pausing a lifestyle strategy is all about taking away the rigidity of a traditional lifestyle. So as I said, not being forced to disinvest from assets at inopportune times, like we saw in March and um, February, and crystallizing those losses. The second point around this is also rebalancing portfolio. As a question we've got from a lot of trustees is whether or not it makes sense to go back to our strategic asset allocation. So if we think about February and March again, rebalancing would mean buying equities and selling government bonds if we had a two-asset two portfolio. So for us, the recommendation was to continue that rebalancing, to go back to that strategic asset allocation, because it's a nice discipline in terms of rebalancing and something that behaviorally we struggle to do in terms of buying low and selling high. This last one's probably for both of you, just looking further forward, I guess, both from an investment perspective and DC more widely. Are there any other lessons that we can learn or changes you expect to see schemes making as a result of these recent events? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick off. So look into the future. For me, the integration of ESG considerations into the investment strategy that help mitigate future risk by investing in higher quality companies that are better placed to thrive in the new world is something that I'm, I'm keen not to be lost as a result of all this recent market movements and something we're encouraging our trustees to continue on, continue that focus. And it ties in well between the investment area and the engagement area that with a more responsible investment strategy, 
with the integration of environmental, social and governance factors, we can help give some of those good news stories to members about their pension savings. And this can help then engender pride in the company, can help engender pride in the savings vehicle and can also help engage members. So there are two other points from me. Firstly, communication. We've seen trustees and companies using more online communications, and we expect this to continue in the future. We also expect to see more personalization, so targeted messages at different groups of the population. And the final point is around member support. I really think we need to do more here. Help members to make informed decisions could make a massive difference to those who are drawing benefits, and at the same time, also helping to prevent scams, something that we've seen a lot from recently from the FCA and other interested parties in this area. Right, that's great. So thanks to both of you for your time today. That has made me feel a little bit better, but I must admit, I still don't think I can bring myself to look at what's happened to my own DC pot just yet. Thanks, Ricky. That's great. Thanks, Ricky. Right, it's time to get those windows open. So thanks for listening. And thanks again to my guests, Chris Inman and Ben Rowe. I'll be back next month, and I think I might be stocking up on cold drinks and ice creams before I start recording that one. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget you can subscribe to the series through all the usual places, including the Apple Podcasts app and Spotify, so you never miss an episode. If you'd like more information on our retirement solutions, or you want to feature in a future podcast, you can contact me on ricky.marsh at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email talktous at aon.com.